0: All right, so we're going to continue with chapter two. Today, we're going to wrap up chapter two. How many of you are like, man, we've been four weeks in chapter two? What? Four weeks in one chapter? What are we doing? What kind of church is this? But hasn't it been good? I've learned so much just prepping a sermon for four weeks out of one chapter. And I'm just like, man, are we ever going to get through the Bible? <laughs> And so I've just, I've just been really encouraged by chapter 2. I, I see chapter 2 totally different now. It's a pivotal chapter. Like you got to get what happened in chapter 2 before you can get to chapter 3. Come on, somebody. Like you got to get it. you got to have that kind of an expectation to get to chapter 3 because chapter 3 is going to start getting a little crazy. And so in order for life to start getting a little crazy in a good way, come on, how many of you ready for life to get crazy in a good way? For life to get crazy in a good way, you got to have chapter 2 in you. And you got to have some expectation and some clear understanding. So let me review last week real quick, and then we'll get into today's message. Uh, last week we talked about how there was a new boldness that came on the, uh, the disciples or the followers of Jesus. There was a new boldness, and I define that word boldness as the freedom From timidity and bashfulness, and then I talked to you about this, and I wanted to remind you of this again this week. That boldness described in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood to preach, it was the boldness that, that pushed the boundaries of disrespect, Remember, we talked about that. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to that message because this kind of boldness, it's not disrespectful, but it pushes that edge of disrespect. It says, I don't care as much about your feelings as I do about your destination. Like you can hate me all the way to heaven and I'll still be good with it. It's that bordering on the edge of disrespect. That's boldness that comes from heaven come on, you got to get out of yourself to get that kind of stuff. Like, you got to get out the way to get that kind of boldness that'll stand even in front of your boss and say, listen, bro, if you ain't got Jesus, man, like, you're dying and frying. <laughs> but you can have life right now. You know what I'm saying? It's that boldness that borders on the edge of disrespect. We talked about a servant's reward and how God loves to pour his spirit out on people who are willing to serve him willing to do whatever he would say willing to reschedule their schedule willing to readjust their lives willing to reprioritize life to put God completely first God will dump a heavy load of the Holy Spirit on you the minute you adjust your life to serve him first it's a servant's reward then we talked about this truth bomb that Peter stepped forward in, and he just boom he just gave him the truth and and you know sometimes the truth hurts. Right? I hate the scale. Come on. It hurts to get on the scale. I'm disappointed. I've been eating good all week. I got on the scale. I was like, what? Yep. Change the batteries this thing's broken, mad at it because it told me the truth. <laughs> but that truth, come on, somebody will set me free. Amen. And then we wrapped up last week. We we're talking about how Peter shared the good news. He said to repent of your sins, which means to, to confess and turn away from your sin, to leave it behind but then we talked about turning. Then the second thing was to turn to God. So he says, repent of your sin and then turn to God. And I, I showed you how a lot of us have a bad habit of we'll, we'll turn away from sin, but then we'll just stay with ourselves. Amen. And we won't turn to God and we won't pursue God. Instead, we'll just stay to ourselves. Right. And how important it is to, to turn from your sin, but then Peter says, but then turn to God. How do you keep from going back? Turn to God. Pursue God. Go after God. We talked about being water baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and then the Bible says, and then after that, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on. That's good stuff. So what we're seeing happening right now is the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the believers, and and, and it's created a new boldness to speak, a power to act, a power to serve, and then today we're going to learn about this new community that's formed. And so the title of my message today is Attractive Community. Attractive Community. We, we started the whole series out talking about how the church kind of got itself in trouble over the last several years because we, we started focusing on being attractive to the lost world. So we brought in the lights and the fog machines and the and the conveniences and all the cool things to try to attract people but we were using the wrong attractant. The church we see in Acts chapter 2 is attractive, but it's attractive with the right kind of attractant. The attractant is the Holy Spirit and the power by which he flows through the believers with. You see it? So so the, some of the immediate fruit, I just want to recognize this before I get into the message. There's some immediate fruit that comes when the Holy Spirit's being poured out. Here's six things. This is just some of them, but here's some things that I just kind of pop off the page. There's boldness, immediate fruit. Service, immediate fruit. Repentance, immediate fruit. Salvation, baptism, kingdom building, and attractive community. That's just some of the, the, the immediate fruit that comes when the Holy Spirit is poured out. You see it? We've been talking about it for the last three weeks. So question, why would anyone question the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If we read in chapter two, this immediate fruit that comes from the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. I mean, like this is right away fruit. Like you can't grow satsumas this quick. Immediate fruit comes from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why in the world would we ever question if the baptism in the Holy Spirit is real or not? I think that's a good question. (laughs) Why, Why would anybody wonder if they need Him? Do I need this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, no, you don't need the baptism in the Holy Spirit if you don't plan on being used by God. But if you have something in your heart that says, you know what, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, I feel a call, I feel a tug in my heart, I feel like there's a greater purpose for my life. If there's that inside of you, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fulfill that thing. Come on. I just can't see where the debate is. I look back in my own life and I go, man, I was blind. I was blind. I was theologically blind. I was in the wrong community of believers who didn't believe that, so my friends were blind. You know, when the blind's leading the blind, you're not getting anywhere you want to go. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> so let's look at this new community, this attractive community. You ready? Today I'm going to show you four essentials of this new community and then I'm going to wrap it up with a surprise at the end. But before I get into the four essentials, we've got to nail something down. In verse 42 of chapter 2, 42a, the first half of that verse, listen to what it says. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to, to being the four essentials we're going to talk about. They're not really complex or complicated. They're very, very simple, but yet very powerful. But, but we've got to deal with this D word. We got to deal with the devoted themselves too. So I could give you the essentials and you can go home knowing the essentials, but if you missed out on the devotion part, then it's okay. You got essentials, but you ain't got no, (laughs) you ain't going nowhere with it, right? So, so the first thing I notice in these couple of words is that all the believers, in other words, every one of them, don't tell me the people you hang out with is not important. Because this was over 3,000 people, and all of them devoted themselves to the four essentials we're getting ready to talk about. All of them. Iron sharpens iron. If one person next to me that I'm in a good relationship with devotes themselves to something, it draws my devotion in as well. Come on. It's like telling your friend about a good restaurant. I want to go see the restaurant. I want to go eat at the restaurant. It's a devotion. It's it's using your influence to help the next person devote themselves. Spurring one another along. Then it says they devoted themselves, which means this. You ready? You're not going to like this. It was their own doing. We could rewind the tape. Peter never says and devote yourself to these four things. The apostles aren't running around with a rule book that says you need to devote yourself to these four things. It was something that happened inside of them. It was their own decision. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Shit. We get what we got because of our decisions. We can't ever get away from that. We use excuses like accidents like too often. Like, well, this just happened. No, it didn't just happen. You ate too much and you put all 40 pounds. I mean, that's what happened. It was your decision. I saw a girl I hadn't seen in about, I don't know, five or six years. She used to come to church here and she goes, you still preaching that blue bell? I'm like, God, God, that's what I'm known for, blue bell. Bluebell and Fords, baby. Watch out. That's how we get into heaven. I'm serious. I didn't see anything. You still preaching that blue. I'm like, I really need to grow up. <laughs> no one had to make them do it. <laughs> Bluebell is attractive. No one had to make them do it. <clears throat> they devoted themselves. Let me define devotion for you. Or to devote. To devote is to give up wholly, to give completely over to. Holy, Not H-O-L-Y. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely turned over to. That's what it means to be devoted to Jesus. Everything. All that I am. Everything that I have. Turned over to him. You see it? to give up holy, to addict, (laughs) I love that, to addict. To addict oneself to something, to direct your attention wholly or chiefly, to attach yourself to it. So when the Bible says that they devoted themselves to these four things we're getting ready to talk about, they addicted themselves to it. How do you get addicted to something? By doing it over and over and over again. I ain't get fat overnight. I got fat over time. Come on, somebody. Because I devoted myself to the God of Bluebell, right? It's really not that bad. I, and I really need to quit using it. But so, so watch. Let me see if I can explain it this way. I've devoted myself to my wife, to Cheryl, and I've devoted myself to my kids. And and uh, the whole way, twenty-two going on twenty-three years, I've I, I, I made a I made a devotion over twenty-eight years with Cheryl. But I, I devoted myself to Cheryl and the kids, and the minute I devoted myself to them. Everything else came to try and take my devotion. So for 20-something years now, I've been living with boundaries set that say, we're not crossing that because I'm devoted to this. Because if I devote myself to you, anybody outside of this, first, then I'm undevoting myself. I don't know if that's right grammar, but I'm I'm disconnecting myself from, sorry, teachers, I'm disconnecting myself from the ones I I said I was going to be devoted to. So when you met Jesus, you wanted to devote yourself to Jesus. But then all of a sudden, here comes these things pulling at you. Things that the world says you ought to be doing. Yep. And so you, you end up in a battle where you're going, okay, but, but that's, you know, to be cool, we, we, we need to do this kind of stuff. And, and like to be, to keep up with the Joneses, like we, we need to do that and we need to go there and we need to participate in this and we need to do all these things. Really? Says who? The very ones who's trying to pull you away? So now they get to dictate what you do and don't do? Yeah. You got to fight against the things that would come to try and take your devotion. Right. Yeah. Is this making sense? Yes, so if you're going to devote yourself to something, devote yourself to it and, and stay with it. But you're going to have to fight for it. Come <laughs> You're going to have to disappoint some people. You're going to have to tell people, no. I devoted myself to living holy, so we didn't devote ourselves to Halloween. Oh, got quiet up in this church. I know what month it is. I'm coming at it. It is demonic. My kids never went on trick-or-treating. They okay. They didn't die but I devoted myself to living holy and righteous the best that I could so I did not participate in things that were unholy and unrighteous. Why? Because it jacks up my devotion. (laughs) Once I devote myself myself completely to my wife and my kids, if there's anything left, I then turn around and give it away. Come on. If you're going to devote yourself to Jesus, then you give him everything you got. And if you got something left, give it to somebody else. Amen. But he comes first. That's right. yeah. This is making sense. Yes. They devoted themselves. This is so important because what you're getting ready to see in chapter three, and chapter four, and chapter five for the rest of the book, it comes out of its birth out of this devotion. God moves when we devote ourselves to something and we stay with it. God moves in that. God's not wanting to pour his spirit out on wishy-washy people. He's wanting to pour his spirit out on people that are devoted to him. That says, at all costs, at all reputation, I'm with Jesus. All right, the horse is dead. So verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves, here those, here's the four essentials. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. There's the four. We're going to break them apart real quick, and I'm going to show you a surprise at the end. So number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now you've got to understand something. This is the first church. This is, this is like the birth of the church. So everything that this church is founded on, built upon, everything that it believes is absolutely critical. That's why we don't need to get people saved into a shady gospel. They need a pure, simple gospel. It's the G- it's Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, who saves you. He paid the price for your sin so that you can now be restored into a relationship with God. And he's going to write your name in the book. And one day when Jesus comes back, because he's coming back, because he's alive, because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Come on. That's what people need. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because uniformity in belief was essential for the new believers. They all needed to believe the same thing. When you read through the book of Acts, you see where Paul was always challenging other believers because their theology or their belief system was off. So they needed to be trained in it. They didn't have the Bible. They were writing the Bible. And it's still being written today. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have a book to go from. They went off of the apostles' teachings. Their teachings came from their own personal experience with Jesus. It was their eyewitness testimony of the person of Jesus Christ. So a clear and accurate teaching about Jesus is vital to a healthy, growing church. I want you to hear this. Anything is possible for the person who addicts themselves to God's word. I was reminded this morning, I was studying my Bible one night. I would have my morning devotions, and then at night I would go back and read my Bible, and I was praying, and my back was jacked up. It was just... It was hurting. It was bad. I, was, I, just, I couldn't get comfortable in the chair. And it was frustrating me, and I was trying to study my Bible. And finally, I just went and said, Lord, I'm, can you just touch my back? And it went, boop. I was like, well, that was quick. I got up just to test it. I got up, and I went, what? This is going to be a good Bible study. <laughs> So let me see if I can help you with this a little bit better. I'm going to share some personal stories with you today. No surprise. I'll give you all my business. Well, not all of it. You can't handle all of it. I've made some changes in my life recently. Cheryl and I have. Uh, our, our, our pursuit is health, and so we've started exercising, and then now we're working on our nutrition. And it's not the funnest changes in the world, but I'm already reaping the benefits of it. My energy level is like out the roof now, and I I feel great, and I'm sleeping better, and all these fruits that come from this is just incredible. And so I I had to devote myself to some other people or even submit myself to some other people to help me accomplish my goals. So it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I submitted myself to an instructor to do water aerobics. It's me and another big guy in the pool with a bunch of old ladies. And they talk about stuff you don't need to hear. And they don't care that you're in the room or in the pool, but you're in the pool. And you can go into the water, but sooner or later you got to come back up and you still hear all that stuff. And it's just like, but I submitted myself to the instructor and, and she said, swim 10 laps. And so I swam 10 laps because I wanted what she was instructing me to get, Right? She was trained to instruct me how to get fit in the pool. I'm like, I like the pool, the pool's cool. Uh, I can get past the old ladies in the pool, but a, and I went at it. So I listened to her. I'm in a cycling class. The cycling lady comes in and, and, and she's going at it. And and I'm and I'm cycling and I'm sweating profusely. And it, it's 45 minutes. And I'm like, dear God, can you make time speed up? I'm dying. And 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 I'm going, and I'm tempted to. to cut corners, I'm tempted to slack off, and she goes, come on, push it, and I'm like, I will not push it, and so, but if I listen to her, I'll get what she's trying to give me, come on, it's so important, so, so this week, I, I was in the cycling class, and I'm going at it, and I had the don't wants, come on, see anybody get the don't wants, I had the don't wants, and I was like, ah. and I had somebody between me and the instructor, so I knew I could get away with it, pray for me, I need some help. I was like I'm big but I could duck and, and and I was tempted to quit and I said you know what I'm not quitting I'm pushing through and I went at it and I hurt but I didn't die and I made a gain I gained I, I, I did the whole exercise with her I was like yes I did it in a room full of women oh my god I did it like the women didn't outlift me or outride me today. I devoted myself to eating right. So my wife and I went and seen a dietitian. She's in the room today. Lindsay Glasscock is a dietitian. And Lindsay's half my age. I watched Lindsay grow up. I'm very proud of Lindsay. I humbled myself to walk in that room and say, I submit my eating to you, Lindsay. Because I know she could be a dietician Nazi with her daddy. She would her daddy in shape. She would anybody in the shape. Come on, Doug. And so I was like, I got to, cause, and see, then, then my buddy Doug dropped a bunch of weight. And I'm like, mm. I got provoked. So my wife and I went and sat with Lindsay. And we submitted our eating habits to Lindsay. To which Lindsay came back and said, well, you messed up on this day. You did pretty good this day, but you messed up on that. And you did good with this. And so let's adjust this, let's adjust that. And I went, well, that makes all the sense in the world. For once in my life I had understanding because I submitted myself to somebody else. You getting it? So so if you want to eat right, go see Lindsay. Pastor approved. <laughs> now I gotta keep <laughs> eating right and <laughs> put myself out there. So watch this. I can stand right here, 52 Sundays out of the month, out of the year, and I can preach my guts out to you. I can spend all day on Thursdays with my head buried in this book, praying, Lord, give me a word for the people. Give me a word for the people and research and study and go into the Greek and do all these things I'm not comfortable with. I can do all that and I can stand in front of you today and I can say to you that we got to get out into this world and reach the lost. But if you never submit yourself to it and you never devote yourself to this teaching, you'll never get the fruit that comes from it. Oh, you'll get to heaven, but you'll get there with not much fruit. Come on. So at any moment, if I decide to take my devotion back, I start going back. You see it? So they devoted themselves to God's word. What's so hard about studying your Bible? Is it really that hard? What's so hard about that? It's going to give you life. What's so hard about a masculine man getting in a pool with a bunch of old ladies doing water aerobics? Ain't number pride. Right? I'm sorry if I put that image in your mind. I just realized that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to God's word. Watch this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, his word, to prepare and equip his people, watch this, for every good work. So what's so hard about studying your Bible? It's just preparation for every good work. Maybe it's because we don't like to be corrected. Uh, I don't read that book. Makes me mad. So where are you getting your belief system from? Please don't tell me some, some preacher off of YouTube or, or some famous guy in another state. Please don't, t- please don't tell me that's where you're getting your theology from. Please tell me you're, you're, you're grabbing a hold of your own Bible and cracking this thing open and letting your Bible pour into you. Come on, and tell you what's wrong, tell you what's right, teach you how to go, all these other things. Please tell me you're getting it for yourself. Please tell me you're not still, <sighs> please tell me you're not still nursing. Oh, God. And please tell me you're not just hanging on my preaching. Bust your Bible open and let it bust you open. Amen? Amen? Number two. All right, we got to move. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to reading, to studying their Bible, and then they devoted themselves to fellowship. Verse 44 and 46, watch what it says. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. This is what true fellowship looks like for us. It's whatever I have is yours and whatever you need, I'm going to help. Well, that sounds good, don't it? Yeah. It sounds good until somebody doesn't hold up their end. It sounds good until somebody starts milking the system. Oh, yeah. I know what it's like. I've been around for a minute. Those that got plenty want to share with those who don't have enough. And then before long, those who don't have enough, if they're not careful, they keep never having enough. (laughs) I get it. I get it. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They took care of themselves. The government didn't take care of them. They took care of themselves. They formed a community that was self sufficient. (laughs) So, how do we get that attitude? That's a good question. 1 John 3, 16 and 17, it says, For we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Talking about the, the saints, your other believers, brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Meet each other's needs. What a community. We don't need a stimulus check. We are the stimulus check. Come on, somebody. We don't need a handout. We are the handout. We got such an incredible community. The government can shut down. The world can shut down. But we're going to continue to thrive. Why? Because we're, ki- we're for one another, not against one another. If I got extra, I'm not going to walk in pride like, oh, well, you need to, you need to step up to the plate. And if I find myself in a season where I don't quite have enough, then I need to swallow my own pride and receive from the person who has enough. So God's moral character, love, empowers real fellowship with other believers. That character is developed in God's word and and, in receiving God's love. So how do you fully give yourself to relationship with others? You got to start with some godly character called love. You got to genuinely love people. And then you got to step out on the the plank of trust. And you got to start trusting people. Oh. But you also got to be trustworthy. Amen. Are you trustworthy? Because you see, low character... Equals low trust. But most people want high trust with low character. Don't work like that, homie. They want high trust. Everybody wants them to trust them, but you ain't got no character. Tell me what's going on in your life, but I can't tell you because you might tell everybody. High trust, low character. Ah. This is making sense. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. You need other people in your life. If you don't have other people, other godly people in your life, you're isolated. And the only thing you need to do to change that is get out of your isolation. Right. Get up into something else. Get join a life group. Invite somebody to your house for dinner. Do something. Get out of your isolation. Yeah. So this kind of relationship, dynamic relationship can only happen when there's a mutual love for God and for others, because real fellowship is built in the atmosphere, atmosphere of real love. So they devoted themselves to studying their Bible, to doing life with others, and number three, sharing in meals. I quite like this, this, this essential. It's <laughs> not for those reasons. I'm going to explain. Y'all jumped on that a little too quick. hurt my feelings. I like this one because it's kind of unique because if you look at it, you kind of go sharing in meals. Like, that's one of the four essentials of a healthy growing church is sharing in meals. Now, for us down in the south, I mean, we're Cajuns. We always we eat while we're talking about eating something else, right? I mean, we love food. everything surrounding around around food. You can't get two or more, more people together. The Bible says two or more gather together. My name Jesus is there. Well, in Cajun country, two or more together, there's food there, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's food there. So watch this, verse 46. It says they, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So why is this so important? Let's break it down. They they shared in the Lord's Supper. In other words, they took communion together, which is very important. I know we do it at the beginning of every month here as a church. We 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 take communion and we, we ponder and, and, and think upon what Jesus has done for us. Super important. But look at what the Lord's Supper does. It reminds us that our dependence is on God. It invites Jesus to dine with us. It's one of the ways that we commune with Christ. It brings back our assurance of salvation. It invites God to keep his covenant promise. It shapes our character, and it looks ahead to the final banquet. So when we're taking the Lord's Supper, all that's going on, I don't know if you're aware of that, but all that's going on and it's doing something in you communion's important and should be a continued practice of the church but then there was these other meals so the meal wasn't just the lord's supper there was these other meals and they got a name and it's a really cool name i just found this out i was like fell in love with it it's called it started in the book of acts It's called love, listen to me carefully, love feast, not love fest, you bunch of hippies. It's love feast. (laughs) It it requires eating. (laughs) It was called a love feast. So watch what would happen. All the believers would schedule a time to come together and share a meal. And so those who had a lot would bring all they could. And those who didn't have much would bring what they could. And so they would come together and everybody had food. There was wine. There was all these things there. But everybody would wait. This is important. They would wait until everybody else got there. And then they would sit down and they would share a meal together. It was very intentional. They would share a meal together. Connect. Encourage. Fellowship. Fellowship be with one another, come on, laugh, cut up, enjoy the fellowship of one another. Then when they were finished with that meal, then they would all together join in for the Lord's Supper. So it's kind of like this. They would eat together, and then when they were done, they would invite Jesus to come eat with them also. And it was a special moment. It was called the love feast feast. And it still goes. There's some churches that it still happens. My sister's church, is, it's a type of Episcopal, I think. I could be wrong. A type of or Presbyterian, I can't remember. But it's, it's a very cool church because every Sunday everybody brings a meal. And so, like, they have church, and then they all break bread together every Sunday. It's a very cool community of believers. They're tight-knit. I'm not saying we're doing that though. Just <laughs> somebody like, oh, I can bring this and I can bring that. I can bring my best in. The love feast was so important that Paul, Peter, and Jude all corrected the churches when the love feast got out of order. So there was times where the love feast got a little sloppy. Like some of the folks, come on, you got those kin folks, they'll start sipping on the wine a little too quick. Oh, don't act bashful. You know you got the, or is that you? No, I'm joking. But, but they'll, they'll start sipping on the wine, and they would get drunk before the whole meal would happen. And so the, the apostles came in, and they actually brought correction to the love feast. So if you're thinking about a vital growing church, a healthy growing church, one of the essentials is sharing meals together, then you got to go, there's power in breaking bread. Come on. I'm like, this is the most encouraging I can do today. Like, like go eat. <laughs> Well, you didn't have to tell me that, Pastor. I was going to eat anyway. <laughs> so the poor would bring what they could, and the rich would bring all they could. And they shared this together. There was no greediness, no gluttonous. It was a love feast. You see, for that to happen, there's got to be a lot of dying to self. Let's unpack that for just a second. The person who has more than enough, there's some areas in his life that, or her life that they need to die to. It could be a, a superiority kind of thing. Like, I'm better if you're not careful. I'm, I'm more successful if you're not careful. No, bro, God blessed you and you made some good decisions, but, like, it was really God because he gave you the ability to do that. and Right? So the person who has more than enough has some things that need to die inside of him, and the person who doesn't have enough has some things that need to die in him because there's a pride that wants to come on him also that says, I can't receive from you because if I receive from you, then that's validation that I'm poor. It's like I'm in denial, and I can't receive from you because the minute I receive from you, it's like, okay, he's poor, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you'll humble yourself, no matter what position you're in, we can all learn from one another. To have this kind of community, it has to be saturated in God's love, and there has to be a severe devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the Bible. You want to know what breaks barriers? It's God's word. So I love this part. It says, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. (laughs) I'll put it this way. They were happy to eat a lot. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Look, I've been practicing all week for that to be funny. (laughs) And y'all just, it's all right. I'll get you next, next service is going to laugh. Because I'm I'm going to evangelistically speak it, make it even funnier. Fourth essential. They devoted themselves to prayer. And some of you instantly went, yeah, 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 prayer, okay. (laughs) They devoted themselves to prayer. The new believers were to be trained in the discipline of prayer because prayer is a discipline. Prayer is a discipline, not a feeling. And you get from it what you put in it. That's true. When I pray, I see stuff happening. When I don't pray, there ain't much happening. It's as simple as that. It's a discipline. I can be honest with you. There's not many times I just oh, I feel like I need to pray. If I'm scared, if I'm anxious, yeah, I might need to pray then. But, but like, there's not a whole lot of times well, I, just need, I feel like I need to pray. There's not a lot of that to go. It's a discipline. Corporate prayer was, essential, was an essential part of, the, of church growth. If you remember, the whole thing got started with a bunch of folks in a room praying. Corporate prayer is important. And so I need to make a confession today, a personal confession. I've not led consistently enough in corporate prayer. I was writing my message and I got convicted by the Holy Spirit to confess that to you and then to repent of it. I haven't led consistently enough. Now, we, we will consistently throughout the year have prayer and worship nights. But that just kind of fit the schedule. It just fit a good spot. We've not gone at it consistently. And that's what the Holy Spirit dealt with me about. And so I, I repent before you. And I immediately called our worship team. And I said, we need to work on something more consistent so we can get together and corporately pray together. One of my dear friends in England, they have Saturday morning prayer. (laughs) It lasts from seven in the morning till 12 noon. And people show up and they just go at it. I mean, like, just go at it. It's radical. When this dude prays, I mean, like, walls fall down. It's because he's been consistently engaged in corporate prayer and personal prayer. So I ask you to forgive me for not leading consistently in that area. But I tell you today, I'm going to change and I'm going to lead better. Amen? Amen. So we're going to see in the upcoming chapters of Acts how prayer is vital for the movement and the growth of the church. All right, here's the results and the surprise and I got to wrap up. Verse 43 and 47, watch what it says. A deep sense of awe Say awe. Say it like you just saw a brand new baby. Aw. A deep sense of awe. That was good. Y'all did really good with that. <laughs> a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 47. All the while, they were devoting themselves to all these things, doing all these things God's word, fellowship, eating meals together, praying together all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being, excuse me, saved. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So there was a deep sense of awe. When's the last time you felt that deep sense of awe? When's the last time you've you've been in God's presence you just kind of went, oh, that's good. Oh. Deep sense of awe. I bet if you back up and check your devotion, it might have something to do with your awe. <laughs> then they saw signs and wonders. And if you'll remember Joel's prophecy that Peter, Peter preached a couple of verses ago, it said that in these days there will be signs and wonders. It never said those signs and wonders would stop. So whoever told you signs and wonders have stopped, they quit devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. And then it says they were praising God. They were living in a state of awe and wonder and praise was their response to all that was happening. And they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. They were enjoying the community that was not self-seeking, not self-centered, but generous, giving, and kind, and accepting. They were enjoying the goodwill of the people. That's attractive community. If you don't like the people you go to church with, you might need to find you another community. Because you ain't going to bring nobody with you because you got a frown on your face when you come. Was that hard? A little bit? It was okay? Thanks, Patricia. Appreciate that. I'll come back to you. But they were enjoying this community. Now watch this. This was attractive to the people around them. Take care of yourselves. Let's take care of ourselves. Let's be there for one another. Let's pray over one another. Let's give to one another. Let's believe God for one another. Come on, let's not be against one another how the enemy wants us to be. Fighting in the church is demonic. It's demonic in its essence. We should never be fighting. We should be working out our differences, and that's okay, but that even comes from the power of God. So you work through your differences, and it builds an even stronger unity. But we need to be such an incredible community that the world around us starts going, man, what's going on over there? It's not because we got fancy lights and smoke machines and we do all these big events, it's because we love each other. It's, a, I'm there for you. You're not in this alone. How can anyone be isolated in a in a, a healthy growing church? And then it says each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Watch this. The Lord added to their fellowship. <laughs> it didn't say Pastor Jamie added. It didn't say the leaders added. It didn't say the church added. It didn't even say OSC added. Ah. It said the Lord added to their fellowship. Why would he add to their fellowship? Because it was a healthy, growing community of believers who devoted themselves to studying God's word, doing life with others, sharing meals together, and praying. So how's God going to grow this church? Not by me, but by we. They're not going to come because I'm some incredible preacher. They're not, they're not going to come because I'm so charismatic. They're not going to come because, because I'm so good looking. Be careful. Be careful. I got feelings too. They're not coming for that. I don't want them to come for that. I never wanted people to come for me. I wanted them to come to get some of what we got. Come get what we got. It ain't lights, it ain't smoke, it ain't mirrors. It's genuine community. It's attractive. It's filled with the Holy Ghost and it's full of love. And it breaks barriers and it breaks down walls. Amen? That's what attractive community looks like. So you can't wrap up chapter two without talking about this fruit that comes from the outpouring of, Of the Holy Spirit. Attractive community. Isn't that good? So what are you devoted to? I would encourage you to do an inventory of your life right now. And even tonight. I would encourage you to look at your calendar. Your work schedule look at your relationships are there some relationships you need to ditch (sighs) but pastor what about my friends they'll never see Jesus oh they'll see Jesus as soon as you get Jesus you get around a community that can help you grow and they gonna come My wife and I, when we devoted ourselves to being followers of Christ, we had to let go of a bunch of her family members and mine, but we would party with her family members. We'd go smoke dope and drink and get wasted and cuss and lie and lust and all this other stuff, and we had to break it off. When we broke it off, it broke apart. Shazam! It's amazing and they said stuff about us and they wouldn't murmur and they would complain and they, would, they wouldn't be as friendly to us when we was at the, the gatherings and I was okay. It hurt our feelings a little bit but we were devoted to something greater than that and we pursued Jesus and Jesus transformed our lives and, and to this day, any one of them goes through a crisis, they come to us. Why? Because we got Jesus the only answer to their problems. So, I didn't need to sit in the party environment to save them. I just needed to go live saved myself. <laughs> I want to be a church that the Lord would say, I'm going to add to their numbers. I want to be a community of believers where the Lord would say, I'm adding to that church, I'm adding to that fellowship. I look at our youth group, it's growing. 20 something youth and I'm like what with two. I'm be when we 2 like come on Jesus I'm like the Lord's adding he's adding come on y'all this ain't a chicken tree it may not grow fast this is a live oak it's gonna grow steady and when the storm comes it's gonna stand Check your devotions. You're responsible for what you're devoted to. Nobody else is. There's no excuse not to grow. There's no excuse to be lonely. The Bible says God puts the lonely in communities or He puts them in family. Dare you to ask God about your devotion and open your heart to Him and see what He would say? And then, then when He says it, I dare you to do something about it. In fact, I double-dog dare you. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, here's the proof. This is the proof. Chapter 2 is the proof. When you pour yourself out on willing people, signs and wonders happen. Community happens. Health happens. Joy happens. Goodness happens. Real fellowship happens. Thank you, God. Thank you. I pray over this church that we would be an Acts 2 church. Not to run off and say we got some kind of new name, but just that we would genuinely be, without announcing it, an Acts 2 church. Where we would set our hearts to do anything you would want us to do and you would pour out your spirit on us. And then we would walk in power and boldness to, to speak and boldness to serve. And, and we would get engaged in an attractive community. And that, God, we would see you add numbers to the fellowship. I pray that over this church. Help us. I say to you, Lord, let it be here you would draw people because you're proud of what's going on here. Because you trust what's going on here. Because it's healthy and it's pure and it's clear and it's clean. It's you. So God, anything, there's anything here that's not you. Burn it up. Take it away. Pull it out. Any dark corners, pull it out. Any hidden motives, pull it out. We surrender to you. We open our hearts to you. God, if there's anything in my heart, deal with it. Show me. I want us to be a pure, holy, love-filled vessel for you. We submit ourselves to you today. We surrender. We say, have your way with us. I'm willing. I'm willing to be filled with your Holy Spirit for others, not just me. Pour it out on us in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?